0: Hello! You're listening to a Medieval Madness Podcast. To see the accompanying visuals, please check out our YouTube channel. Cheers! In the Middle Ages, most Europeans were highly religious. Famine, war, and disease meant that death was never very far away. Mortality rates were high, and in Europe the Catholic religion dominated daily life, shaping the worldview of everyone. In the early period, the church taught that apparitions were demons posing as dead people, sent to spread confusion, fear, and to produce distrust in God. The significance of purgatory, where imperfect souls suffered a temporary punishment before entering heaven, cannot be exaggerated in the life of the medieval Christian. In the later Middle Ages, much emphasis was given to selling indulgences by the church that would help to shorten a person's time in heaven's waiting room. The idea that a ghost was a soul in purgatory began to gather popularity. Medieval phantoms were commonly referred to as revenants. There are reports of spectres floating through walls, like a transparent sheet or sail floating through the air. Some of the apparitions were described as being much more unhappy and paler than they had been in life, and were dressed in ragged clothing but many seem to be far more palpable than how we imagine a spirit to be today. There are reports of ghosts being grappled with and physically held until a priest could come and hear their confession and enable them to leave their earthly prison. So, let's travel back in time and split up and search for clues as we look at paranormal encounters during the Middle Ages. Welcome to Medieval Madness. Walking Dead These solid manifestations actually have more in common with The Walking Dead from the Scandinavian and Icelandic sagas rather than with Christianity. The epic tales written between the 12th and 14th centuries describe the dead or Draugas as returning from their graves and roaming the earth at night, destroying property, mutilating and killing humans and animals alike. Draughts had real bodies that smelled rotten and magical abilities such as shape-shifting. One such ghost was Thorolf Halffoot. He guided a herd of cattle that was ridden by demons. Any living livestock and their herders who got too close to Thorolf's burial mound would drop down dead. This went on for many months, with no one daring to go near his grave. It even drove his widow mad, and she died too. Then Thorolf began to walk through the countryside, slaying everyone he saw. Eventually, his body was dug up and was found to be all undecayed and most evil to look on. He was cremated, but it was said that a pig licked up some of his ashes and later gave birth to a monstrous creature that also wreaked havoc throughout the land. A Danish tale describes how Aswith and Asmund were true and loyal friends, who made a pact that if either should die, then the other would agree to be buried with him and keep him company. Aswith died and was buried with his dog and his horse. True to his word, Asmund also went into his burial cave as well, with ample food for his survival. Later, Asmund was found alive, but disfigured, and told a disturbing tale. Aswith had come back to life, and after eating his dog and his horse, he had attacked his friend, tearing off his ear. Asmund was forced to defend himself. He cut off Aswith's head and impaled his body on a stake to prevent him from moving. Ghost Stories Many of the ghost stories told in the Middle Ages were about morality. Folk tales which defined how a person should behave and why the hardship that plagued medieval daily life was necessary. The 12th century Augustinian canon and English historian William of Newburgh chronicled several of these stories, and said that he could spend his whole life recording these types of tales because they were so common. His most famous accounts involve apparitions that appeared in the area of Byland Abbey in North Yorkshire. They all seem to follow the same pattern of a restless soul appearing to a person and requesting help. Once aid is given, then the restless spirit is able to find peace. There were reports of phantom armies who fought ghostly battles in the forests at night, and spectral knights who foretold their own passing, or even came back to challenge the living. William Longspee had left England to join the Sixth Crusade in the Holy Land, and was not expected to arrive home for at least another year. So, friends of his mother, the abbess of Laycock, were surprised when she said she had seen him in her room one night. She said he had appeared in a skeletal form, but she recognised him from the insignia on his shield. A little over six months later, a messenger arrived with news of William's murder. He had been hacked to death by Saracens on the exact day that his mother had seen his apparition. Another spirit with connections to Warring, this time the Albigensian Crusade against the heretic Cathars. The haunting happened in 1211 in Beaucaire near Avignon, where the crusade was in its second year. All summer long, Gervas of Tilbury was visited by the apparition of a young boy named Gilhem. The dead boy held conversations, not just with Gervas, but also with the local priest. In one lengthy discourse on theology, the boy told of his traumatic death and the sadness of his companions in purgatory, but said that God was pleased with the crusade in the south of France, an example of how a medieval ghostly narrative was used to justify the bloodshed that was happening in God's name. Gervas recorded many other tales, one was about a knightly ghost. The site of Wandlesbury Hill in Cambridgeshire was once an Iron Age hillfort. Legend has it that the resident Spectral Knight there could be challenged to a duel. Sir Osbert Fitzhugh was told about the ghost when he visited friends. Sir Osbert had fought bravely in the Crusades and had also taken part in tournaments. So, confident in his own abilities, he went up to the hill at midnight and confronted the spirit with the words, (coughs) "Knight to knight, come forth, I challenge thee. The ghostly knight appears out of the mist of Wandlesbury Hill Fort, and the warriors fight in single combat. Sir Osbert knocks the spectre down and claims his horse as the prize, but the dead knight throws a lance at Sir Osbert as he rides away, which pierces his leg. On his return to Cambridge, Sir Osbert's wound is dressed by his squire, and everyone admires the magnificent horse that he has won in the duel. As the dawn breaks and the cock crows, the horse screams as though in great anguish, breaks out of its tethers and gallops away, never to be seen again. Every year on the anniversary of the contest, the wound in Sir Osbert's leg opens and begins to bleed afresh. Henry Nodus was considered to be a very wicked knight in life. He was accused of incest, perjury, adultery and other depravities. Even after his death, he was believed to have continued his evil ways, appearing to many people, wearing a sheepskin condom, and frequenting the home of his daughter. Hitting him with a sword and defying him with the sign of the cross didn't stop the walking corpse of Henry from appearing. In due course, the local bishop sprinkled holy water at the house of Henry's daughter, and the manifestation stopped. In another tale of an amorous ghost, a widow was haunted by her recently deceased husband. He appeared in her bedroom on three consecutive nights and attempted to have sex with her. On her refusal to succumb to his charms, the dead man wandered off to the homes of his neighbours and made a nuisance of himself there too. Nothing could be done, and he even started to appear during the hours of daylight until he was absolved of his sins by the local bishop and his visitations stopped. Attachment Disorder Some ghosts were attached to a particular place, such as the Tower of London. Built by William the Conqueror in the 11th century and nicknamed the Bloody Tower, it is no surprise that it has since earned a reputation as being one of the most haunted places in the UK. After the death of King Edward IV, his young son Edward became King Edward V, at just 12 years old. But it was his uncle, the Duke of Gloucester, who, wanting the throne for himself, had Edward and his younger brother Richard taken prisoner and held at the tower. Stating that the boys were illegitimate, he declared himself King Richard III, and the two princes were never seen again. It is assumed that they were murdered by order of their uncle. It was then that the ghostly sightings of two small figures began. Dressed in nightgowns, they are seen clinging to one another and sobbing in terror. Two skeletons were found beneath the stone staircase in 1674, and were buried in Westminster Abbey by order of King Charles II, believing that they were the remains of the two boys, although this has never been proven. Thomas Beckett is another ghost that was seen at the Tower during the Middle Ages. Beckett was Archbishop of Canterbury in the 12th century, and quarrelled with King Henry II over the freedoms and privileges of the Church. He was violently murdered by the king's supporters inside Canterbury Cathedral. 71 years after his murder, he was seen at the construction of the Tower of St. Thomas within the fortress. It was said that his ghost appeared to a priest and caused the inner curtain wall of the tower to collapse by striking it with his cross. Henry III built a chapel within the tower to appease the ghost and Beckett was never seen again. Corrupted Souls It was thought that the most effective defense against and the best way to help a medieval ghost was by speaking to it. The church made sure that it became the hero of the hour, it was the clergy who could alleviate the poor suffering soul by giving them absolution and granting them God's mercy. The best way to do this was by acknowledging the dead in the minds of the living. The deceased lived on through the memories of their loved ones and this idea was just as important to the medievals as it is to bereaved people today. The medievals needed to remember, honour and grieve for their beloved before they could let go. The church met this need by having masses sung for the souls of the dead. People would have to pay a certain amount of money of course, but the mass would help to ease the soul trapped in purgatory, lessening the time spent there before being allowed into heaven. The selling of indulgences also became common practice and monuments were made to the deceased, such as having their name engraved on books or raising a building in their honour. It all helped to ease a family's grief so that they could move on, but that was difficult to do if one thought that their soul was trapped in purgatory, or even worse, their spirit was still imprisoned here on Earth. Unfortunately for the Catholic Church, these services were soon exploited and tainted by greed. Claims of corruption followed, which intensified throughout the Middle Ages so that by the time of the Renaissance, ghosts were regarded as demonic fakes once again, and by the time of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, the whole concept of purgatory as imagined by the medieval church was being challenged. Thank you for watching this episode of Medieval Madness, please do subscribe if you enjoy the content, and we'll see you next Friday for another video. Cheers!